So let's give a, ru a raucous, ruckus welcome to those on Facebook Live. Okay, good. All right. That, that, that was actually pretty good. So one of the things I wanted to do this morning is um, for those of you that are on Facebook Live, we've got a lot of people that um, are tuning in. You know that there's a lot of people that, um, and some of you that are watching, that have pre-existing situations or they're connected with people. And so there's, there's a lot of, of our church family that are choosing to watch on Facebook Live for health reasons and the protection of other people that they're in the care and, and ministry uh, connection with. And so um, um, just wanted to say thank you to those of you that have been following on Facebook Live and those of you here that have helped with the Victory 127 Christmas offering. Um, I wanted to celebrate that um, on live this morning along with you because I think it's miraculous just the hearts of our church family. And I wanted to just make sure that I get the numbers right. Um, this is a newsletter that Jan just recently set out. And this year was our first year to actually set a goal. And it seemed like a lofty goal um, because of just the situation. And the leadership said, hey, we're going we're gonna to set a goal of $10,000. And we prayed and we asked God. And then the answer to that step of faith was $14,738. And I'm, I'm just telling you right now, those of you that have been to Uganda, you hear my heart and you know what I'm saying. $14,738 sent to Pastor Herbert in Kampala, Uganda is probably about $35,000 worth of ministry, okay? Because the way that the loaves and fishes get broken and distributed over there is absolutely amazing. But then in the process of that, on top of that, because we're trying to add um, the, the upper level for dormitory for kids that need housing, on top of that 14000 an additional $6,000 came in for the completion, toward the completion of that dormitory to be ready when they open up for school. So we're only, we're only $5,000 away from being able to totally wrap up the second floor of that building. So to God be the glory. That's amazing. I just wanted us, I just wanted us to celebrate that and sharing that this morning. And I am super excited. Um, you've heard him share this morning. I'm super, super excited to have Chris Davis come and for him to teach us and to share with us the Word of God. And so let's give a Mountain View welcome to Chris's first time to ju jumping. Full-blown, baby. Full-blown. That's what I was going to ask. Here. Let me let me give you let me give you the mic, and then Chris, it's up to you. Do you want to be on my team or Tyler's team? What do you want me? To I do mean, did you that? see me place it? I placed it right there in view. So it's like brotherhood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love you. Good. Where's Tyler? Where's Tyler? There he is. Well, hey, with that, uh, I think I need to take a moment of prayer because I need to repent because I just offended Tyler. <laughs> so there you go, Tyler. Oh man. Yeah. But good. Well, hey, if you have your Bible or copy of Scripture, I'm going to invite you to go ahead. Uh, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1 and then also in 2 Timothy chapter 2. So if you have a little, you know, you can place things there, keep your spot. But with that, uh, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll continue with where we left off last week. So, Father God, we're thankful for the opportunity that we get to be able to just gather together here in person and also uh, online. Thank you for technology that you've given us, uh, that ability and so, Father, I pray that in a way that only you can, that you would unite our hearts, 
that you would speak to us and that you would encourage us to uh, not choose comfort, but to be able to choose faith and choose you and choose obedience to you. And I pray that you would stir in our hearts and cause us to be able to follow you in new and fresh ways. So Lord, we're trusting you for that and we're asking for you to do what only you can do. So in your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, well, so Tim last week kind of was continuing to walk through some things and, um, gosh, scaring me, I, you know, that's good, you just don't know what's Jacqueline sneaking up on you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> All right, so last week, uh, Tim began sharing his, his heart and um, began sharing how we need to trust God, we need to have faith in God, but also have faith in his timing. We need to trust him in his timing. And so the phrase that I want us to begin thinking about as we uh, begin walking through the word this morning is already but not yet. So I want you to just begin thinking about that. Already but not yet. And so we'll kind of walk through that a little bit to, to bring some, uh, some clarity to that idea. But this idea of the already but not yet is all throughout scripture and we see it all throughout our, our own lives and I kind of want us to unpack it. And so the goal of our time here in the morning, uh, in the Word this morning, is that we would be able to learn how God wants us to live in this already but not yet phase. And so what I mean by the already but not yet is something that's happened but, or a promise that's been given, but you haven't yet experienced it or you're not living in light of that promise yet. So it's something that's already happened or it's been promised to you, but you aren't experiencing it, you aren't living in light of that promise or that thing that's happened already. And so, I mean, with Christmas appearing, I mean, kids are living in light of this already but not yet right now on a, on a physical level, right? I mean, kids are all excited about Christmas. They have an idea in their mind about what they're going to experience, about what they might get, and they're excited. We have countdown, you have the decorations, so it's just building this anticipation. So right now, while it's not yet Christmas, they're kind of living in this tension of, hey, I'm already excited, I know that this is coming, but it hasn't happened yet. And so they're living in this, and they feel this tension and, and all that, and we, we may all have that a little bit, right? And so maybe for some of us that are older, I'm not going to throw out any ages or anything, but retirement is another area with that, all right? Yay! That's right. Right, but this, the idea of retirement is this already but not yet, right? How much, how much of us are you know, having to put money out towards it to, and we're planning for retirement, but yet we're not there yet. So there's this reality of this thing that we're already kind of participating, we're looking forward to it happening, if it may ever come or may not ever come, right? But we haven't yet experienced it. And, and so the Bible is full of these already but not yet. And if you're a follower of Christ, if you are, are walking with Jesus, if you're a disciple of him, you are a living proof of this already but not yet. I mean, right now, you are already a citizen of heaven, but you're not there yet, right? And, and Jesus has already won the, the fight, the ultimate war. He has already won the victory on the cross. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. But we haven't yet experienced that kingdom yet. And so this is the tension that we kind of live in, is that, hey, we know that, that we already are a part of God's family, but yet in some ways it doesn't maybe feel like that. In some ways it seems like this isn't the way that, that, that God maybe intended life to, to be. And so we know that there's this promised future. We know that something's coming, but it hasn't come yet. 
And so how are we supposed to live in light of this? We can sit and, and we can complain about how culture is going downhill. We can sit and complain about how, you know, there's so much sin, there's so much pollution going on. Or we can see what God is doing in this not yet phase. Because he's not done yet. He's done, but he's not done. And so that's what I want us to kind of to, to go into. And so the beautiful thing with, with that is that there's this hope that, that needs to, to rise up within us when we embrace this reality because this isn't it for us. There's this hope that we do have heaven promised for us. There is this hope that there is something better yet to come for us. And so if we really embrace this, living in this already but not yet, it changes the way that we live our lives. It changes the way that we, we view the things that we, we are walking through. It changes the way that we view people around us. And so that's what I want to challenge us to walk through uh, yet today. And so we're going to read through Joshua chapter 1 here. And so I want us to see how Joshua is an example of this already but not yet. And then we'll dive into 2 Timothy. And so in your own copy of Scripture, I'm going to read Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And you could follow along with me. But chapter 1, verse 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you. So do you see the already but not yet? Do you see it? I have given it to you, but you got to go. Every place that you will tread, I have given you. So there's this promise, this already, hey, this is your land, but you got to go. Picking up in verse 4. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to, the fathers, to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so I want us to be able to see this, this already but not yet. And so there was already given a promise, right? But what was Joshua to do? And Tim walked us through, you know, trusting God in the waiting you know, although uh, there was the promised land, Joshua wasn't able to just sit back and watch it happen. There wasn't any room for laziness. There wasn't any room for just kind of allowing maybe God to just cause it to happen. But there was this, this participation 
that, that God was like, hey, I need you to partner with me and I'm going to bless this partnership and cause this to happen to you. But if Joshua, if he didn't, number one, personally remain committed to God, then this was all going to fail. Right? What, what, did, what did God do? God said, hey, Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. And how was he to be strong and courageous? He was to stay committed to God's word. He was supposed to meditate on it and obey it, right? And as he did it, then he was supposed to, number two, lead the people in doing the same. And so, I don't know about you, but it's hard, it's, it's hard enough to lead myself in doing those things. Can you imagine trying to lead a whole nation to do those things? Right? And so, I just picture Joshua as he's sitting there believing in, in what God was saying. He's sitting on the other side of that river and just thinking about everything that God was calling him to do. And saying, hey, you got to lead this nation across this river. You know, this is like Oregon Trail type stuff. I don't know if you've been to, to Hoover Ridge. You could play Oregon Trail walking through the woods. I mean, you really, I'm serious, it's real. All right, you should go take the trails. It's real. All right, but one of the things in this game that you're supposed to play is you're supposed to ford the river. You're supposed to get across the river. And every time, some of your oxen die. It's crazy. But apparently, I've never tried to ford a river, but apparently it's hard. All right? So, but what I'm trying to get us in an extreme measure, imagine trying to get an entire nation and all of their cattle and all of their belongings to cross a river. That would be scary enough, right? And so he's thinking about this. He doesn't know how God's going to show up, but, but he's like, man, I have to get across the river. And then once we get across the river, there's this mega fortified city over there, Jericho, and the people know that we're coming. And so I know immediately we're going into battle. And all the people in Israel, they weren't fighting while they were wandering for 40 years. So it's not like they've had practice being warriors. And so then on top of that, they got these massive Goliath-type warriors in their armies over there. So you're telling me I got these little teenage boys fighting against a bunch of Goliaths? So imagine all that Joshua is trying to comprehend is he's trying to believe in the promise of God. Right? So, so think about that. How many times do we go through that? God, I know that you've said this, but man, I'm, at, I'm seeing all the obstacles. I'm just seeing hurdles. I feel fear and I feel doubt. But what is the commandment for Joshua? Man, be strong and courageous. And so, man, you're like, Chris, that's cool. You could tell me to be strong and courageous. But I don't know how that really affects me in my life. I don't know. I, like, I can't just like pep myself up. I can't just make myself be strong and courageous. And I'm just going to admit to you, I can't do that either. And so that's why we're not going to end here on, on Joshua. I think Joshua is a great springboard for us. I think Joshua is a great, a great place for us to be able to start, to be able to comprehend this. But in order for us to be able to truly uh, understand how God wants you and me and, and Mountain View family to be able to live in this already but not yet, I want us to go to 2 Timothy. So will you turn there with me? 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll walk through... Uh, just a few things. But the beautiful thing as you're turning there, the beautiful thing is that while Joshua was trying to get the people to go into the land and inherit you know, this, this new kingdom, to establish this kingdom on earth for Israel, you know, that's, that's not our reality. But there's a lot of parallels for us. There's a lot of parallels. But the difference is that we are fighting not for victory, but for believers, we're fighting from victory. 
The difference that, that we have now is that the victory that we are fighting from has already been accomplished for us. So we don't need to muster up this, oh man, I need to, I need to do this. If, if I don't live for Christ, then everything's going to fail. Man, that's too much weight. What did, what did Tim read for us? That what we're supposed to do is actually too big for us anyway. If, if we're going after what God is calling us to do, we can't do it on our own. We are inadequate in ourselves, right? But, but we are fighting from victory that Christ has, has provided for us. And I'm probably messing with Catherine so bad. Uh, so th- there's, a, there's a, a passage. Can you put that up on the screen? Colossians chapter 2. So there's, there's a verse that I love uh, from Colossians, which just really articulates this. You don't have to turn there. But um, there we go. This just articulates just the victory that we have. And so Colossians 2, verse 13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And this is the beautiful thing. And Jesus, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That's our victory. Christ has already fought sin, death, and the enemy and he's punched him in the mouth and he's won. And not only that, but he's put them to shame. He, he shamed them. So, so the battle is, is, is won already. So now we get to posture ourselves from victory and go out. So any kind of fear or doubt or worry that you carry with you, it can be laid aside. And we can walk in this strength and this courage. And so this is what I want us to walk through. So 2 Timothy chapter 2. I love this and I wish that I had a million more hours to be able to talk about this. But I want us to be able to just walk through. And so verses uh, 1 through 7. So I'll read, you follow along. You then, my child... Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled with civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I love that. And so there's, a, there's just two things I want us to be able to em, embrace and how, how you and I can be able to live in this tension of the already but not yet. But before we get to that, I just love the examples that that Paul gives Timothy of what it means to be able to be a follower of Christ. He gives three examples. And what were the three examples that he gives? This is where you could talk to me. He gives us three examples of what it looks like to follow Christ. You can look back down at your copy of Scripture. Okay, farmer is one. Athlete and a soldier. All right, really good. And, And I love that. Because guess what? Inside you, I think that some of the Christianity that some of you are going after is that you want this to be this like awesome comfort pursuit to make, if you accept Jesus into your life, everything's going to be perfect. And guess what? That's not the reality. It's the reality in some senses is that your eternity is set, but doesn't make the right here what you're experiencing necessarily any better. 
Jesus can help you walk through them, but it's not just this, oh, I believe in Jesus and I'm a millionaire and everything's great and fine and dandy and my family loves each other and Thanksgiving dinner is perfect. Right? Right? But, but he's, he's given us this example that says, hey, following Christ is like being a soldier. Following Christ is like an athlete. Following Christ is like a farmer. There is hard work, and you can't do it alone. You know, how, how many of you farmers out there can teach me this lesson right here? You can work your tail off, but unless God blesses with rain and with good weather and, and all these things, your crops are not going to grow. So there is this, this dependency that, that you have with God even in your vocation. And so that's the picture here that Paul is trying to tell this young Timothy of saying, hey, look, listen, you can't do this on your own. This is going to be hard. You have to partner with God. And that's what I want us to get here, is that as we're living in this tension, I want us to begin to not try to do this on our own, but to be able to partner with God. And so the two things, and I'm out, I'm out your way this morning, that I want us to be able to really get, the first one is to be strengthened. What did he say in verse 1? He said, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So how's that different than in Joshua? What was Joshua told? Be strong and courageous. Well, right here, what's the, what's the call here for us? Be strengthened. I don't know about you, but I can't make myself be strong. But I can make myself be strengthened. That's something that happens to me, right? I can receive strength that's not from me because I don't know about you, but I get worried, I, uh, anxiety flares up, I get fearful of where things are going, and I think about all the things I can do, and I feel like I'm just going to fall flat on my face. But I can be strengthened. And how do we be strengthened? By the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And so I want to invite you, I want to invite you, man, be strengthened. Because I think a lot of us right now, we're just trying to go through life on our own strength. And that's tiring. That's exhausting. That leads us to be able to just think, man, is this, is this whole faith thing even worth it? If you're, trying to do, if you're trying to follow Jesus without Jesus, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You can't do it. Stop wasting your time. Let's have a conversation when you're ready to start following Jesus because that's what we're about here at Mountain View. We're here to follow Him. Not your idea of what Christianity may be, but we're here to invite all of us on this adventure of following Jesus together. So be strengthened. You can be strengthened. This is talking about just the importance of immersing ourselves in the Word of God. Immersing ourselves, learning how to pray, learning how to worship on our own. You know, it, it, we, we need this so much. We need strength to be able to face the day. How many of you feel like you can face every single day on your own strength and actually succeed? If, if you can, just let me know because I want to learn from you, right? I need strength to be able to face it every day. I need strength to be able to face the battles that I'm up against. I need strength to be able to represent the kingdom of God here in this world of darkness. I need strength to be able to help people around me to be able to find hope in the midst of their hopelessness. I need strength to be able to help push back the darkness on other people's behalf when they feel like they don't have the ability to do so. I need help to be able to help people understand their need for Jesus Christ and to, to allow themselves to surrender that, that fight and give themselves to Jesus for the salvation of their souls. We can't do that on our own. So Mountain View, can we stop trying to do this on our own strength? And would you join with me in trying to be strengthened? 
submit ourselves, learn what it's like to be able to get filled up and be strengthened by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, like never before, man, would we stop just looking at our time with God as a luxury in our schedule. It's not a luxury. We need to learn how to orient our lives around God. God isn't just this added thing that we can add in when we have enough time, when it's convenient for us. Man, you see how that's going for you. I need Him. I need God in the middle, and then everything else flows from that. I need to be strengthened so that God can strengthen me to go out and be able to to do all that He's calling me to do, to be all that He's calling me to be. So let's be strengthened by the grace that's in Jesus Christ. And the second thing, a second way that, that Paul is telling Timothy to be strengthened is actually to invest in and to pour into other people. I mean, do you see that? Look, look at uh, verse 2. It says, And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So do you see this? This is like four generations of faith here because Paul is writing it. And he's telling Timothy. So he says, hey, Timothy, you know everything that I've been telling you. Commit yourself to it, but then teach other faithful men. That's three. And then those faithful men aren't just supposed to just get fat off this Jesus knowledge. They're not supposed to just be comfortable in the barn on Sunday mornings. But they are supposed to go and to teach others also. You see it? Read, read through it. Look at that. Try to comprehend it. I mean, this is kind of like cool Jesus stuff. This is the kind of Christianity that I want to be a part of. This is almost like what Jesus said before he left the earth when he was saying the Great Commission, right? Where he's saying, hey, now you guys, this 120 that you believe in me, now go and make more disciples. And I'm thankful that they went and they followed Jesus because we are here this morning as a result of that. So think about that. Think about that. It's crazy to think because I think a lot of us feel like we need to be able to have it all together or that we need to follow Jesus for a certain amount of time before we can invest in or pour into somebody else. But notice, what did Paul say? Did Paul say that you need to teach everybody you know, all the major doctrines of, of Christianity and that you need to, to, to go and tell them how they need to do this and tell them all to do this? What did he say? He said, what you've heard from me entrust that to other people. So, so if you're here this morning, if you follow Jesus, if, if you had an experience where you've given your heart to him, then you have something to be able to entrust in somebody else. You have enough. And so we, we need to stop breaking this like, oh man, you, you got to go to college. You got to have this role. You actually have to have this, this authority that somebody, this man-made role in a church to, for you to be able to do ministry. Man, we all are a part of this. Tim and my job isn't to do all of the work. Tim and my job is to be able to try to cast a vision, to preach the gospel, and to raise you up to do the work of the ministry. And we're going to be in the trenches with you. But man, one of the things that you need to be able to be strengthened, one of the things that I need to be strengthened in my faith is to be able to be pouring into other people. And so I want to invite you to be able to start doing that. I know it's scary. Some of you are like, yeah, that's cool. I've heard that before. Well, I just would ask you, if that's you today, are you content with the level of faith that you have? Are you content with how you've seen God work through you at this point yet? And if you are, then we'll, we'll keep praying for you. 
But if you want to see God work through you and God do something that we've not seen yet before, it takes all of us being able to be strengthened and start investing in other people. Start investing in other people. And so, man, I hope that you hear my heart because I feel like, man, the church in America isn't advancing the way that I feel like it should be. It feels like we're getting our butt kicked. It feels like, man, we're trying to do this whole faith thing on our own strength. It feels like we're trying to fight with this, this fight if we're even fighting at all. And so, man, I, I wonder, I wonder what we could do if all of us would begin to commit to, uh, to doing these things, just these two things. And so that what I want to leave us with is just these two, man. I'm going to ask you two questions. Will you, co- will you commit to be strengthened? Will you commit to be strengthened? I'm not asking you to muster up courage. I'm asking you to submit yourself to God and allow Him to be able to strengthen you. Would you learn what it's like to be able to study God, to read God's Word, and to learn how to pray? We're all doing this. Tim and I are still learning how to pray. I was talking to Tim last week, being like, man, I feel like God's called me to pray in ways I've never prayed before. Makes me feel kind of weird a little bit. But God's telling me to do it, and I need to obey. It's scary. Some of the things that that I feel like I'm being prompted to pray, they're scary. Because I can't do them on my own. But I can do it as, as God strengthens me. As God is out there fighting battles on my behalf. So I'm inviting you. Will you commit to be strengthened? And the second thing, I know this is going to make you feel all kind of weird and all this stuff, all right? But I'm asking you, would you ask God who in your life that he wants you to invest in? And then obey him. What, what, what good is it if, if you just get people in your mind, whether it be in your family or at your workplace, and, and God brings that person to your mind, and you're just like, cool, got the information? We, we, we need to, to pray and ask God, plead with God to be able to bring people to our mind and then obey him and follow his promptings. And I know that's scary. I know, it, you, you, all these things, all these barriers come in your mind, like, I don't know what to say, uh, they're going to make me think that I'm awkward, uh, and all these things, it might ruin the relationship and stuff, but I want to remind you, man, if God is calling you to do something, all those barriers are going to be demolished, that God is going to answer you as you step out in faith in ways that you've not yet seen before, and I'm asking you to go on that journey, I'm asking you to, to help me go on that journey as well, and to see God do things that we've not yet seen him before, so... I cannot wait to continue to walk this out together and to see how God's going to just come through and strengthen us. He's going to come through and help us grow together as a church family, but also to influence this community. And we can do this as we commit to be strengthened and as we learn to invest in other people. So let me pray. So Father God, as scary as as this may be for some, some of us in here, as much as this is just would be causing us to be able to get out of our comfort zones and to do things that we thought that we would never do before, Father, I pray that you would give us a boldness and obedience that we've not yet experienced before. Father God, don't allow us to stay comfortable with where we are and yet complain about the way that things are. But Father God, if we're going to dare complain, Father, may we at least be out there doing all that we can to be able to push back the darkness and to be able to bring people to the light. 
So Father God, I pray that you would give us a Holy Spirit movement, Lord. I pray that you would be just stirring in hearts and stirring in minds and that you'd be prompting people to be able to, to start different things and be able to start having conversation, open up their homes for, for meals and, and, and all these things. Whatever it looks like, Lord, I pray that you would give people clear visions to be able to understand what it is that you're calling us to do. And so Father God, I'm asking for the harvest of souls. I'm asking that we would be able to experience you move in ways and to save our friends, save our family members, save the people that are, are around us that don't know you, and that you would use them in mighty ways. So God, we love you. Help us to be strengthened and help us to obey. In your name we pray. Amen.